from API. This is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm Jane Van Ryan. Congress and the Obama administration are proposing some tax code changes that could have a very negative impact on America's oil and natural gas industry. And it appears that they're using the recent Gulf oil spill as an excuse to single out the industry and force it to pay more in taxes than any other industries. Stephen Comstock, API's tax policy manager, is in the studio with us today to explain. Welcome, Stephen. Uh, Thank you, Jane. Now, before we get into the tax code changes that are being considered, let's provide a little background information to our listeners. Okay. Just how much in taxes does the industry pay now? Well, we only have information, latest information is 2008. The Energy Information Administration collects the data from the top 25, 2025 energy companies in the United States, collects all sorts of financial information, one of it is taxes. And what they found is, is that for 2008, latest information that these companies on a worldwide basis paid over $98 billion in taxes. What does that mean in terms of their effective tax rate? They have an effective tax rate of around 48%, a little bit over 48%. Now, the statutory rate in the United States is 35%, so they're actually paying more in tax on a worldwide basis than the U.S. rate. Generally, though, most manufacturing companies, the S&P companies, have an effective rate around 28%. So you can see there's quite a disparity between the amount of tax that the oil and gas companies pay on their activities versus the rest of the industries. Now, one of the tax code changes that's being discussed is a deduction called 199. Can you describe what that is exactly and when and why was it enacted? 199 is actually the code section that the, uh, you find the deduction under. The way it was set up is in 2004, the Congress decided that they needed to do something to encourage job creation and job retention amongst manufacturing in the United States. So they set up a deduction that is calculated by taking your U.S. domestic production activities, and those production activities can be manufacturing, growing, extraction, other types of production activities. And they calculate that amount, and then they take a percentage of that amount, and that becomes your deduction. What it effectively does is generate a tax rate cut uh, in your overall activities. So instead of paying 35% on your U.S. manufacturing activities, you actually pay a little bit less. It's, uh, it was phased in over time, so now most industries pay an effective rate on their U.S. manufacturing activities of around 32%. Now, this is a little bit different for oil and gas. Oil and gas uh, entities do qualify for this deduction, but uh, what happened is is that a couple years ago we were limited, so we don't get a 32% rate. We actually pay a 33% rate, so we don't get the full amount of the deduction. Congress limited us back, I guess, in 2007, but the rest of the industries do get the full amount of the of the deduction. But Congress is talking about making another change, right? Well, what they want to do now is just eliminate it outright for oil and gas entities. So rather than, you know, just have the situation where we're capped, they would want to eliminate it outright. And of course, this is a deduction that's clearly tied to jobs and job retention activities here in the United States. And it's not as if oil and gas jobs, which are high-paying, good jobs, which help all sorts of uh, localities, and, and uh, we have 
you know, people who um, we employ people all across the United States, somehow those jobs aren't as good as other jobs in the in the mind of Congress. Now, there's another um, interesting tax issue that has come up. It's my understanding now that large oil companies that have global operations and also pay taxes to foreign countries are looking at a situation in which the government is considering uh, changing the foreign tax credit. Is that right? Yes. The foreign tax credit, I, I think I should go ahead and explain this. The foreign tax credit is, is very different than, say, other tax credits that you think of. The U.S. taxes its residents on a worldwide basis so that if you earn income in France, you pay tax on that income in France, the U.S. will still tax that French income. However, in order for U.S. companies to be treated fairly with all other companies operating in France, they allow you to offset the U.S. tax that you would otherwise pay on that income with the tax that you pay in France. But in order to make sure that companies are kept whole or kept even with French companies or Chinese companies or Italian companies, it will allow you to use the French tax to offset the U.S. tax that you would otherwise pay on that income. So it avoids double taxation. It avoids double taxation. And it also should be said that it is not used to reduce U.S. tax on U.S. income. It is only an offset for U.S. tax on foreign income. So to the extent that you are earning income in Massachusetts, you can't use the foreign foreign tax credit to offset U.S. tax on that income. So what does Congress want to do? Well, to Congress that? wants to do it. The way that's set up is, is that every taxpayer has to prove that the tax that they're getting a credit for is, in fact, an, a tax. And, in fact, oil and gas companies have multiple levels of, of restrictions and regulations and rules that they have to go through. But what the administration says, is, regardless of all that, we think that your tax that you pay should be X. And anything over that is going to not be creditable so that what will happen is the amount of tax that we're able to use to offset the U.S. tax will be much more limited, and as a result, the companies will face double taxation on their foreign operations. And will end up paying out more money in taxes every year. They'll be paying out more money in taxes, but more importantly what will happen is, is that they will lose the ability to compete abroad. Not only will, they will it become more expensive for them to engage in future operations to win new bids from new resources, but also existing operations that they thought they understood the economics for, that they thought they understood how the taxes would work, all of a sudden they're all thrown up in the air. And it may be a situation where an operation in the U.K. or an operation in Nigeria or an operation in the Far East suddenly becomes more economic to somebody else other than a U.S. oil and gas company. Let's move on to yet another challenge, if you will. This one involves this new financial regulation law, which apparently contains some language that could be, again, very problematic for global oil companies and their investors. Can you explain what that's about? As part of the banking bill that passed, there was a requirement that if you're engaged in extractive industries, as part of your SEC filing, you now have to report specific information on amounts that you pay to foreign governments, and this includes uh, inf information on royalty amounts, tax amounts, other payments that you might make to foreign governments. And so it would only apply to extractive industries. Uh, and the idea it, here is to somehow collect the information such that people in those foreign countries can understand how much money is flowing to the government. So 
the SEC is collecting information for people not in the U.S. and not U.S. investors and not people with respect to uh, wondering how to invest in U.S. companies. They're collecting information in order to make it, uh, I guess, more transparent for people located in foreign countries to understand what's going to their government. So the SEC, whose job it is, is and to protect the U.S. investor, is actually going beyond its purview in a sense because of this this new law is actually going and and uh and and collecting this information for other for for foreign nationals essentially but it would have the effect of raising taxes wouldn't raise taxes raise but what it, but what it would do is is that again if you're think if you're competing against say a company from China mm-hmm. that doesn't have to file SEC reporting and the country doesn't necessarily want this information brought forward now, when they look as to who they should engage with to produce their hydrocarbons or produce their resources, they now sit there and, and realize that they could engage with a U.S. company that has to report all this information to make it public or a Chinese or some other company that does not have to do that. And as a result, you can be at a competitive disadvantage because of it. And so it just makes it, again, harder to compete. Now, people would say, well, this is a good thing to make this transparency uh, available. Well, there's already international processes in place to make this, but it works with the governments rather than forces the governments. Uh, so there's a process where the companies operating in, in these countries work with the, the host government, work with other organizations in order to understand how to make this information transparent and available. Stephen, there's an element uh, in the United States that is pretty anti-oil. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. And there are a lot of critics out there that say that major oil companies are large and they can afford a higher tax burden or or afford more paperwork. How do you respond to that? It's getting back to the effective tax rate. People say that somehow that these companies don't pay their fair share. And my response to them is maybe they're right, but it's because we pay more than our fair share. So there's substantial amounts of money being paid in taxes. There's substantial amounts of, of, of money flowing to governments, not only in the form of taxes, but also in the form of royalties and, and other funds that come in, severance taxes, property taxes, substantial tax burden that is incurred on these companies, which flows to governments, not only the U.S. government, but also uh, state and local governments. I've also heard economists say that if you want less of something, tax it. Does that hold true for oil and gas supplies? I think it does. One of the items that we haven't talked about is a good example of that, and that's the one that Congress is also looking at repealing a deduction that's associated with drilling costs. Uh, You incur costs associated with the labor of drilling activities. These are the drillers, the engineers, people that are involved in the activity of going out and finding the oil and gas. The deduction's been around for uh, since the inception of the code, and the idea here is, is that the government understands that this is risk, that you don't necessarily know what's there until you actually drill. So in many ways, it's like our R&D, our research and development. And in fact, R&D companies get the same type of deduction to the extent that you are a scientist and you go out and you find a new drug, you're able to deduct that uh, cost. And so what, what ha- but that also generates capital that allows you to engage in the next well, that allows you to find the next uh, prospect. And the 
taking that away will essentially shut off that capital. And as a result, it will mean less drilling, it will mean less jobs, it will mean less activity in, in the domestic drilling space. You've given us a lot of food for thought here today, Stephen, and um, I will be watching to see what happens when Congress comes back into session. In they September. come back in September, and it's going to be it's going to be very exciting, I think. Thank you very much, Stephen, for joining us today on Energy Tomorrow Radio. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.